Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. series that we're calling uh, Building Blocks, and uh, we're doing this series because we believe and we know and we trust that you can build the foundation of your life uh, on Jesus, and so we've just been taking these last couple weeks uh, to talk about what it means to have uh, the heart of, of Jesus, what it means to have the eyes of Jesus, the character of Jesus, uh, the, the, the mission, the priorities, and, and really just to approach life in the way that he modeled uh, and taught us and build those things into our foundation, and so we want to uh, keep that theme going today. Uh, and turn to a passage of scripture uh, that's found in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 uh, through 13. It's on page 616. So if you brought a Bible, you can turn there. If not, there's a Bible under your chair, around you somewhere. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, we would love for you to take that Bible. I promise there's not like a sensor in there that'll start beeping when you walk out the door. Uh, but we would love for you to take that Bible and read it and have it as our gift. But we're going to be on page 616, Luke chapter 4. Verses 1 through 13, and the first couple uh, chapters of the, the book of Luke establish some things. Chapter 1 tells us the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, chapter 2 talks about John the Baptist preparing the way and fulfilling prophecy. We see Jesus being baptized, and we see the presence of the Trinity at his baptism. And then chapter 3 just kind of talks about the genealogy of Jesus and talks about the ancestors. And so what we're getting into here, chapter 4, is really kind of the, the launch pad or the beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus and the things that would happen in this chapter and then move forward. And so we want to read this out loud and just talk about some things that Jesus modeled and some things that we can see in his life that apply to us. So this is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. You can follow along and read. It says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Well, kind of a, a, an interesting passage of scripture, something that I think maybe some of us have a, a knowledge of or, or we're aware of, and yet we see Jesus as he's getting ready to, to launch his ministry, spending time alone with God, and we see him being alone for, for 40 days. Now, I don't know if you've ever been alone uh, for 40 days. I think some of our friends that have maybe uh, trained in the military have done some exercises where they're alone 
I have never been alone for 40 days, and I don't want to speak on your behalf, but the thought of being alone for 40 days is kind of comforting, and I think around day five, I'd probably uh, go a little crazy, right? We're, we're people that can't even drive around 270 without a GPS, right? So we're probably not the kind of people that could be alone for 40 days and really stretch ourselves, and yet Jesus in this moment was alone, and he was tempted by Satan, and we're told that he ate nothing, and I love that it just says, and he became very hungry, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's an understatement, right? For, for 40 days, very hungry. And, and so I think we, we look at this, and sometimes we think like, well, Jesus was, was, was God, and that is true, but Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so I think as we look at this, we have to ask, how did he do this? How did he function in this moment? How did he get by? How was he, how was he so equipped and, and so ready? And, and so I want to just give us our, our big idea for this morning, because this is what we want to unpack, and this is what we want to talk about, that Jesus modeled that nothing is more important than spending time with God. How did he do this? Because he spent time with God. How did he overcome this temptation? Because he spent time with God. How was he able to withstand being alone for 40 days and being tempted? Because he spent time with God. Jesus didn't just talk about spending time with God. He spent time with God. Jesus didn't just have good intentions and, and think like, yeah, I'm going to do that because that's what I think I'm, I'm supposed to do. He actually did it. He spent time hearing from God. He spent time talking to God. He spent time with God and letting God speak to him. And so what fueled his ministry, what fueled his mission, what helped him overcome all the things that he would encounter was that the foundation of his life was time spent with God. And I realize how simple that sounds because some of us have grown up in the church, we've grown up in Christian families, we've grown up in Sunday school classes, and our whole lives people have been telling us, spend time with God, do your devotions, spend time with God. But the foundation of the life of Jesus, the thing that he modeled to us that we overlook and we take for granted and we think just magically happens is spending time with God. Sometime around 2009, the, uh, the iPhone was, was blowing up, and, and they were, uh, I think, to the, the iPhone 3. I don't know if some of you maybe weren't alive then or maybe don't remember this. Maybe you didn't have your first phone yet. But, but when the iPhone came out, we were all like, oh, that's awesome. And then we we're like, yeah, I can't afford that, right? Because we still had, like, flip phones and trashy phones. And we were like, oh, a phone should be free or cost $11 when I sign up for a new contract. And so the iPhone 1, people were like, yeah, I don't want that. And even the 2 was a little intimidating. But around the iPhone 3, we were all drinking the Kool-Aid, and we were like, Okay, yeah, now, now I've got to have that. That needs to be a part of my life. I still have a BlackBerry. My friend has an iPhone. They're cooler than me, and I need to, I need to catch up. And so the iPhone was, was getting really popular, and Apple realized that they needed to market the App Store so that people would understand that, that apps were, were going to change their life and make their life better. And so they came up with this slogan. Maybe you remember it. There's an app for that right? Because it, the iPhone wasn't just this vanity thing. It wasn't just something that you, you thought you needed to look cool. They were like, you want to do your taxes? There's an app for that. You want to see if a, a picture in your house is level? There's an app for that. They wanted us to know that there was an app for everything and that apps were kind of the, the answer to, to solve all of our problems. Last week, I went to a, a baseball game of someone that, that goes to Movement Church and plays at Darby High School, and, and everybody there was like following this app. And I'm like, what are we doing? And they're like, oh, we're following the pitch count. And I was like, I want the pitch count app, right? And so I, I downloaded it, and I'm like following along. And, and even though I've known that since 2009, right, there's almost always an app for something, something that can make my life better and something that can be the answer, but apps aren't always 
the answer. How do I know? We, we said that this kind of marketing started in 2009. Do you guys know what one of the top apps of 2009 was? It was the T-Pain voice changer, right? And if, if, you, don't, if you don't know who T-Pain is, I'm not going to take the time. Okay, yes, I am. You, he was the king of auto-tune, right? He used to sing that song like, uh, I'm a, yeah, he did like that thing when he would sing, right? You guys know auto-tune, right? Okay, so if, if there's an app for everything, and if apps are the answer for everything, certainly the, the T-Pain app must have changed the world, right? Wrong, because some of you were like, oh, I had that app. I hope no one asks me if I had that app. Or, or some of you are, are thinking like, I don't know who, who T-Pain is, right? Apps aren't the answer to everything. And yet, we see that Jesus is telling us, listen, time with God is the answer to everything. When you're tempted, time with God proves the answer. When you're alone, time with God proves the answer. When you're feeling abandoned, time with God is the answer. Time with God, time spent with God in the presence of God, being formed and understanding the character and the will of God is the answer to everything you will face. Way better than some app bearing the name of, of T-Pain, right? Because Jesus modeled that there's nothing more important than time spent with God. And so Jesus wasn't spending time with God because he was supposed to, because it was fun, because it was expected. He was doing it because it fueled his mission and it prepared him. He was doing it because it fueled his mission and it prepared him. And when he came up against something, his time with God, his time in God's word, his time in the presence of God was the answer. We like to think that technology is the answer. We like to think that apps are the answer. We like to think that relationships are the answer. We like to think that money is the answer. And yet we look at this simple truth from the life of Jesus. And when he was alone and hungry, hungrier than he'd ever been, his time with God gave the answer. And he stood on the truth that man doesn't live by, by bread alone. Last week, we actually looked at a passage where Jesus said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Do you think he made that up? Do you think he pulled that out of thin air? No, he, he knew that. He had meditated on that in his time with God and God's word. He was tempted by power and kingdoms. And he stood on the fact that only God deserved worship. He was tempted to test God. And he stood on the truth that God provides and keeps his word. And we don't need to test him. Think about the things that Jesus was up against that his time with God fueled and provided an answer to in his ministry. Some of these things we don't even fathom. I mean, Satan tempts us, but I don't think that I've ever been tempted like this. And yet because he had built up these defenses, because he'd spent time in the presence of God, Satan would, would attempt to, to attack him and, and do all these things. And Jesus was just like, here's the answer. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I've memorized because of my time with God. Here's what I know. I mean, later on in his ministry, he would have the success and, and the fame and this notoriety and all of these things that you and I couldn't handle. And Jesus had an answer and he knew scripture and he knew God's word and he knew God's will. So what's the answer for us to be able to have defenses like that, to be able to have answers like that, to be able to stand up to the temptation and the attacks of Satan and just know these things? Well, I've... I've shared with you guys before that as I've uh, approached uh, being middle-aged, I've started getting a little too into uh, cycling, bike riding. I don't know what you want to call it, right? But as I, as I got into this hobby, I, I realized like, hey, I'm going to go on a bike ride. Hey, I'm going to go on a longer bike ride. Hey, that guy's riding faster than me. I want to catch up with him. And it's like, oh, you're going to need a better bike to catch that guy. And so I, I got a better bike. And then it was like, oh, you're going to need shoes that click into the pedals. Oh, you're going to need a helmet. Oh, you're going to need a special riding shirt. You need all of these things. And, and eventually I came to the realization that the equipment and the things and the stuff that I put in my life could only make me so successful at riding a bike. 
you know what the best thing I did this last off-season to make me better at riding a bike was? I stopped eating terrible food. It has nothing to do with riding a bike, and yet my first ride out this year, I was like, hey, I'm faster. Was it because I had cool click-in shoes? Nope, same ones from last year. Was it because I had a bike that was awesome? Nope, people judge my bike all the time because it turns out it's a, not a very good bike, right? Was it because I had a really nice helmet? No, I bought it on an auction website, and it's a Walmart helmet, right? So none of these things, none of this equipment, none of this stuff is making me better, but what I found was that I, I was actually able to put in the work, and we as people... We as humans, we as American evangelicals and Christians and Christ followers, we don't want to put in the work. How do I know? Think over the course of your life and all the different phases and fads you've seen involving working out. I remember when I was little, there was this craze of infomercials, right? People were, were selling like Nordic track machines and all of these things. And they would tell you like, you can just pull this thing out from your, up under your bed and set it up and do a workout and put it away. And it's great. And, and everyone thought like, if I buy this machine or if I, if I do whatever Suzanne Summers is selling on an infomercial or all these different people, I'll be really cool. And then there came this craze of like workout videos, right? First it was VHS tapes, then it was DVDs, then it was stuff online, and we're streaming videos, and it's like, all right, the machine is going to make me better. No, the, the person is going to make me better. Now you're laughing at those things, and you're like, I've never bought a VHS tape. But what we do, right, we follow fitness people on Instagram, and somehow through osmosis, that just makes us skinnier and makes us more in shape, right? Because we follow these people and look up to these people. None of those things work. What we have to actually do is the work. We have to actually maybe diet or eat different. We have to actually do the work and do, do an ab workout to have abs. It can't just be following someone with abs on Instagram, and that's really depressing, and I'm sorry to be the person that tells you that today, but we have to do the work, and if we want to have defenses against Satan's attacks, if we want to be able to live on mission the way that Jesus lived on mission— if we want to rely and build our life on this foundation that God is with us, we have to spend time with God and know God. So how do we do the work to know God and stand against temptation? Well, here's what we see in the life of Jesus. These are the, the three things, three ingredients that, that I think could apply to getting away and spending time with God. And the first one is this. Get away. Get away. We see this all throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. He would take time away from other activities. He would take time away from relationships. He would make time in his schedule, and he would get away with his father. And he would spend time in the presence of God. If you want to be equipped to follow God, if you want to be able to withstand temptation, get away. Get away from your life. Get away from the relationships that fill your time, even your family and the things that are going on. Get away. But choose the times you do that well. Don't wait till your wife asks you to mow the yard and then say, oh, I got to get away, right? Or, or don't, don't, don't wait till your parents are like, hey, it's a school day. And you're like, oh, wish I could go, mom, but I've got to get away and spend time with my heavenly father. No, sometimes it, it takes a little bit of thought, right? It takes time to look at our calendar. It takes time to look at the things we're involved in and say, I'm going to prioritize getting away and spending time with God in the presence of God. Make time, take time. And while we're rhyming, maybe you, you've heard the phrase, fake it till you make it, right? Sometimes you're going you're gonna to get away and you're going to think like, well, that was nothing special. I, I tried to pray. I tried to talk to God. I tried to spend time in his word and I didn't, I didn't feel anything. Sometimes just getting away and, and having the determination that we're going to be consistent and spend time with God is what works in the long term. 
Get away from the things that are taking your time. Make time to spend time in the presence of God. We see that in Luke 4, right? Jesus goes and, and he's tempted and, and he comes out of this temptation and he's aware of what God is calling him to do and he goes and does some ministry. And he had just spent 40 days alone with God and so he goes and does ministry and then what does he turn around and do? Verse 42 says, early in the morning he gets away. So Jesus didn't just say this. We're not just saying, oh, Jesus spent time with God. He would spend time with God. He would do ministry. He would spend time with God. He would do ministry. He was around people, and then he would get alone and make sure that his cup was full and that he knew what God was calling him to do. In fact, the next chapter, we see him call the disciples and do a miracle, and then guess what he does? Trick question. He spends time with God. He gets away. Verse 16 of of Luke 5 says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And it seems so subtle and something that we think just magically happens. And yet we see Jesus doing this time and time and time again. And yet we want to be people who claim his name and claim the title Christians. We're followers of his. We're patterning our lives after him. But we have to ask the question, are we getting away? Are we prioritizing getting away Luke 4, Luke 5, Luke 6, it says this, verse 12, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. We see these high moments in the life and ministry of Jesus, and we think like, man, he was just awesome, just like greatest hits all the time. Jesus was doing this, and we don't see that he was putting in the work to build this foundation. He was spending time with God, and he modeled that there's nothing more important than spending time with God. Luke 4, Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 9. And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he questioned them saying, who do people say that I am? If we're not reading scriptures and looking at the pattern of his life, we could miss these things. But it's almost every chapter in the Gospels. Jesus is getting away and spending time with his heavenly father. Luke 11 And it happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place. After he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He was getting away. He was spending time with God. And the people around him were saying, hey, I want to do that. I want to have that relationship that you have with God. I want to talk to God. I want to spend time with God. I want to see my mind and will and my character changed. Luke 22 Garden of Gethsemane, a passage we know well, Jesus was spending time talking to God before he was put on trial and crucified. And this is just the the book of Luke that we happen to be in today. The, The book of Mark is my favorite because it highlights more of these instances and it often is just says, Jesus got away, Jesus got away, Jesus went to pray, Jesus got away, Jesus spent time in quiet. If we're going... To, to live lives that echo Jesus and pattern our lives after Jesus, we have to get away. And yes, that takes effort. Yes, that means giving up on some opportunities to hang out with people. Yes, that might mean not working overtime or making money. There's a lot of excuses we make, but if we want to follow God, we have to spend time around him. We have to spend time with him. Get away is the first ingredient. The second one here is, is just breathe in. Breathe in the word of God. If we're going to spend time with God, we can spend time with God breathing in his word. We're told that all scripture is God breathed. Many of us know that verse and, and trust that, that truth, and yet we, we're not really looking at scripture to be as vital as it is. The Hebrew word for God literally means 
breath or, or, or sustainer. It kind of translates to, to this, this concept that almost doesn't match up in English, but, but literally that God gives us our existence. Just like breath gives us our existence when we have a relationship with God, when we know God, when we're relying on God, he's giving us his breath, he's giving us his existence, and so we need to breathe in the word of God. We need to breathe in the presence of God, and how does God talk to us? 99% of the time, it's through his word. Maybe you would say, oh, I know a time that God talked to me. I felt like God gave me a dream. Or maybe, maybe you would say you've heard the audible voice of God. I, I'm not here to, to mock things like that. But I'll tell you this. Most of the time that God talks to me, most of the time that God talks to us, it's in his word. I had a, a friend joke last week that he heard a, a pastor once say, if you want to hear the voice of God out loud, read the Bible out loud. And I don't, I don't say that to, to mock hearing the voice of God, but I think we have Scripture. We have the words of God. We have the Logos, the very word, and we take it for granted, and we think like, oh man, I wish I could hear from God. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do today. I wish I could be encouraged by God. I just wish I could talk to God. I wish he was here. I'm supposed to have this relationship, but it's, it's so weird, and we're overlooking the word of God that wants to breathe the very presence of God into us and fuel our lives and fuel our mission. So get away and breathe in. Breathe in the word of God because the Bible is not just a history book. It's not just a book that tells some stories. It reminds us of the character of God. It reminds us of ways that God has shown up in the past and he will continue to show up for us. The heart and mind of God are captured in those circumstances and we get to know his mind and his will and we get to trust him and rely on him and depend on him as we study his word. And if you're not breathing in, that's not happening. If you're not getting away to breathe in, that's not happening. Last one here, breathe out. That was probably pretty obvious. If you're going to breathe in, you got to breathe out, right? I hope that was obvious. Or maybe we just don't, we don't think about that, right? But if you're breathing in the word of God, you're going to breathe out as you pray and as you talk to God. Because you're living life, you're facing challenges, you're up against things that stress you out, you're full of anxiety, and you're breathing in God's character and God's encouragement, and you're taking in his word. And yet sometimes there are, there are moments when you're going to have to say, God, I'm, I'm scared about this. God, I, I, I need you to, to show up in this situation. God, I need you to give me courage. I need you to give me the words to say, Lord, help me in this way. God, sustain me in this way. Help me to know your character and trust your character. Breathe out as you talk to God. There's a verse I've always loved in Scripture because it's a, a couple words, and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and it just says this. Some, some translations are pray without ceasing. Some of them just say pray continuously. So as we talk about this breathe in, breathe out exchange, we should be constantly in communion with God. We should be constantly talking to him and just saying, Lord, be with me now. God, if you want me to run into someone in the, in the break room or, or, or talk to someone over lunch, bring me a conversation today. God, help me to not yell at my kid's soccer coach because he took my son out again and I'm really mad. Lord, help me in the things that I'm up against. Help me to be patient. Help me to have the fruit of the Spirit all day as we're living life, as we're doing things. We should be praying and speaking to God and breathing out. But it doesn't always come natural. And yet we see this in the life of Jesus. Here's a few things that we can see from Jesus' example of prayer and solitude. He loved to get away and find a place where he could pray alone, whether it was on a mountain or a desolate place. And so maybe you would say, Mark, there's no mountains around here. No, but there's parks. And there's Panera Bread. 
and you have headphones that can block out noise so you can go to Panera Bread and you can read your Bible. You can go to Starbucks, you can go to a coffee shop, you can park your car outside in the winter at a metro park but still be warm because that's what I like to do, right? You can get away from people and hide and you can breathe in the word of God and you can breathe out as you talk to him and pray. Prayer formed the foundation of the ministry of Jesus. Sometimes we like to just think like, well, yeah, he was Jesus. But he was talking to his heavenly father. He prayed before he made major decisions and his power and his relationship from the father are connected to his times in prayer. And so he would get away and he would breathe in and he would breathe out. Our prayers should be a nonstop conversation with God. Our relationship with God should be a nonstop conversation some of us are almost going out of our way to kill our relationship with God. Do you know how you kill a relationship? It's, it's pretty easy. Some of you have done it on purpose to your high school friends, and we just don't talk about it, right? You, you just stop talking to those people, and you just stop hanging out with them. That's the best way to kill a relationship. Don't be around people, and don't communicate with people. Sometimes it happens because we move. Sometimes it happens because we lack proximity. Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's on accident. Some of us are going out of our way, whether we want to admit it or not, to kill or to, to really hurt our relationship with God because we're not spending time with him and we're not talking to him. And so there's no proximity, there's no intimacy, there's no conversation, there's no trust, and there's no life change. And as that relationship dies and withers and we feel further and further away from God, we wonder like, where's the magic? What can I do? Get away, breathe in, breathe out. You guys took fifth grade health or whatever class they teach you that breathing is important, so I, don't, I won't insult you on that, right? But, but we talk about killing relationships. Now we can talk about killing people. If you're not breathing in and out, or if you're only breathing in and you're not breathing out, or you're only breathing out and you're not breathing in, there's going to be some problems. And so God gave us this exchange where we can spend time with him and time in his presence and breathe in and breathe out. Some of us don't, don't do that. I'm not a, a huge drinker of pop or possibly soda, depending on where you, you come from, right? I don't want to make anyone mad today, so I wanted to mention both. But the, the consistent complaint with, with, with diet soda is that it just tastes bad, right? You talk to these like hardcore people that are like, I'm a Coke person. I won't touch diet Coke, right? They say like, yeah, it's got the name on there and the logo, but not much else. And I fear that that's who we are as people that claim the name of Jesus, we're kind of like diet soda Christians. Like, we're like, I'm a Christian. Do you know Christ? Do you spend time with Christ? I used to. I went to a Christian college. I grew up in a Christian family. I read through the Bible a couple of years ago. And we claim the name and we claim the logo, and yet we have none of the impact or none of the taste. Our lives lack substance. And so what does it look like for us to claim the name of Jesus, to claim that we're following him, and to get away and breathe in and breathe out? We just need to do the work. There's no substitute. There's no app. There's nothing that's going to change that. We need to do the work. Okay, I lied. There actually is an app, guys. It's called Version. It's the Bible app, and I think it's a wonderful tool, all right? T-Pain's not involved in it, but you can trust me on this. It's a, it's a really good one. And so what can we do as application to change what we're talking about today. If you don't have the YouVersion app, I would, I would recommend downloading that. Because you may not always have a physical Bible with you. You should. I think there's value in that. You can take that to work. You can keep that in your car. 
But you can set up the YouVersion app to give you reminders and notifications to read your Bible every day. If you haven't spent time in the presence of God in a long time, go ahead and open up your phone right now. Open the YouVersion app and, and just search something like the word James. And it'll take you to Scripture in James, but you can also click under Plans. You can, you can click to, to do a one-week plan or a two-week plan and just read through the book of James. Spend time in Scripture, spend time in the presence of God, and let it change you. And you have a, a calendar. One of the best things that I've done for my prayer life is kind of embarrassing, but I've literally put it in my schedule. I have a friend, Jason, I've probably mentioned him before, and I always get nervous he'll hear this podcast, but he won't, right? I've been praying for Jason for years that he would come to know Jesus. You know how I, I remind myself to pray for Jason? The same way I remind myself to work out. I literally put it in my calendar. And so a couple times a week in the afternoon from 2 to 2.15, I stop what I'm doing because my phone and my computer say, hey, Mark, you're not very smart. Let me remind you to pray for Jason. Let me remind you to pray in general. It sounds good for me to say, get away, breathe in, breathe out, but we have to do the work to put those things in our schedule. And so do some work this week. Pick out the next book of the Bible you're going to read. Pick out the next reading plan that you're going to participate in and put that in your schedule. Decide that you want to spend time with God and then you want to spend time praying for his will in your life and praying for people that are in your life and put it physically in your calendar. Because we don't want to be diet soda Christians. We don't want to be fake Christians. We don't want to be fake people. We want to be people who reflect this truth. Jesus modeled that there's nothing more important than spending time with God. And if you try to follow him, if you try to live like him, you try to reflect him and you're not spending time with God, I promise you, you will grow weary and you will grow weak and you'll be frustrated. Let's be a church of, of people who spend time in the presence of God, getting away, breathing in and breathing out. Let me pray. God, we claim your name. We say we want to worship your name. And Lord, I confess it's difficult for us to prioritize spending time with you above other distractions and other things. Lord, there is no substitute for doing the work spending time with you and spending time in your presence and knowing your will. So help us to be people this week who will simply put that in our calendar, put that in our schedule, who will select a reading plan, whether it's a small book or a bigger book or the New Testament or the entire Bible. God, help us to spend time, consistent time, daily time, weekly time in your presence, in your word, hearing from you and letting you speak over us and speak into us. And God, let us be people who speak to you, Lord, who ask for your help, who ask for you to guide us, who confess when we're weak and when we're tired and when we need you. God, help us to breathe in and breathe out in relationship. Help us to make time and, and get away. Lord, thank you for the example of Jesus and what we see in his life. And Lord, just that we can see that his ministry was fueled time in your presence and time with you. Help us to not look to other things to fuel us, but to look to you this week and this month and this summer. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. 
We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.